Hey, it's Jeremy, and I just want to take a quick minute to thank everybody who's checked this out at SotaSoccer.com, S-O-T-A Soccer.com, and who has supported us and contributed to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash SotaSoccer. We're trying to bring the Minnesota soccer community unmatched, unprecedented, dedicated, unique coverage of Minnesota soccer that you're not going to get anywhere else with written pieces, podcasts, and bonus content available to our Patreon subscribers over at patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. So if you haven't sampled our written content yet, make sure you check that out at SodaSoccer.com. And again, if you want to go that extra mile and directly support what we do, every content creator that's on the Soda Soccer team is paid for their work. So if you want to help support that and contribute to that, just go to patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. You can contribute for as low as $3 a month. Big thanks to everybody who is supporting not only the podcast here, but SodaSoccer.com as well. Now to the episode. What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing and alongside me for episode 108, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio of SodaSoccer.com. Dom, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing wonderful, Jeremy. I had a, a, a very soccer-tastic Wednesday, which was yesterday when we were recording, because, uh, because it's coming to the end of the year and often leads like to marathon games in the last week or two. There were between first division and second division games. I had to keep track, not watch, but keep track of 11 different matches in the same evening for a foot day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> how, many, how many screens did you have going? Uh, I was only watching two or three really at any one point, but um, two, on my, two on my laptop and, and one on the TV. But um, I tried to rotate around. The second division game started an hour before the first division game, so I had a little bit of a delay to work. But anyway, I had a very uh, busy, <laughs> uh, very soccerful afternoon yesterday, and I, I look forward to having a, a soccerful uh, morning to afternoon with you today. So looking forward to talking. Yes, it'll be very soccerful, very soccer-filled, a lot of different topics as always to get to, Minnesota United, the Gophers, St. Thomas, college soccer, and then our episode of Stoppage Time this week will just be a little catch-up on uh, Minnesotans who are playing, you know, in the pros or or making making moves, making, you know, notable things happen across the uh, the global soccer landscape. So not only Minnesotans who are playing here domestically, but also abroad as well. We're going to get you caught up on everything going on with them on this week's episode of 10K Stoppage Time. So if you're not subscribed to our Patreon, patreon.com slash SodaSoccer, you can do that for as low as $3 a month if you just want to you know contribute and help us out. But if you want that bonus content, you can subscribe to our $5 or $10 tiers and you get a bonus podcast each week, as well as some bonus MNUFC training audio when I'm able to make it up to Blaine for uh for minnesota united training so if you want that bonus content or just want to help us out make sure you're checking out patreon.com slash soda soccer also make sure you're checking out sodasoccer.com it is your home coverage here in the northland um you know stories on minnesota united stories on those minnesotans who are playing domestically and abroad in the pros um really good features um, from Dominic Jose Bazonio, most recently on Minneapolis City's or former Minneapolis City product, Ian Smith, who's now playing abroad in Norway. Um, just a lot of really good stuff on both the, the pro and lower league and college soccer scenes here in Minnesota. So make sure you're checking out our coverage at sodasoccer.com. And there will be more Minnesota soccer coverage coming your way from sodasoccer.com. Thanks to our friends at Equal Time Soccer. Just announced this this week, a very exciting uh, sort of collaborative content partnership with Matt Provatsky and the team over at Equal Time Soccer. They've been they've been really good friends to us over basically the entirety that 10,000 Pitches has been a podcast. You know, we launched this podcast in the summer of 2020 and almost immediately we, uh, you know, we turned to Matt and we turned to Equal Time Soccer for all the latest on everything happening in the women's soccer scene across the state because they are the absolute leaders and covering all that. They do an excellent job. So they're going to be bringing a little bit of that coverage and helping us out at sodasoccer.com with that as well. You're going to hear some of the great shows that they do, the Equal Time Soccer shows. You're going to hear the audio on our podcast feed. You're going to read some stuff on the Minnesota women's soccer scene at sodasoccer.com, thanks to Equal Time Soccer. So it's just a great partnership. Could not be happier 
to to partner up with them because I I I said this in the in, in my quote in the press release, Dom, and I mean it. There's no way we could match the coverage they provide the women's soccer scene in Minnesota. So if you can't beat them, why not bring them aboard and and, and join them? And that's uh and, and we're we're happy to have Equal Time Soccer aboard. Obviously, just a really good resource and another another website, another media outlet who's really grinding and and putting in a lot of work in covering soccer across the state. Yeah, I mean, like you said, when we already have like a really positive relationship with Equal Time, a really positive relationship with, with Matt Pravatsky, with Mark Pravatsky, with the whole team that they've really developed there, um, there's no there's no reason to try and and do anything other than benefit both ways from that friendship. And, and so it's it's great that this is happening. It's great for I think for for both organizations. I think there's a lot of ways for for both of us to to benefit and you know just sort of helps that that friendship that already exists between a lot of folks at soda soccer and a lot of folks at equal time uh, continue to grow continue, continue to develop and uh, and yeah you know what we can you know help each other sort of broadcast each other's great content so uh yeah really looking forward to, to that continuing to develop continuing to to work alongside all the all the great people they've really de- developed a whole team over there now it, it's it's so mm-hmm. far from when it started as matt's sort of project that was his you know i mean they have a whole organization there now that is pumping out so much interesting content so audio and and written as well um so yeah just just really cool really exciting and looking forward to seeing how it develops and as you mentioned not only can you find more written content now from them at sodasoccer.com but they will be adding to our podcast feed as well great interviews and shows with all the influencers and people moving and shaking in the world of minnesota women's soccer so um if you want all that content you want to be notified when that new content drops on the podcast feed you got to subscribe to the Soda Soccer podcast feed. So if you're not subscribed, please do so. And if you haven't left us, left us a rating and review, either on Apple or Spotify, please do that as well. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Soda S-O-C. Okay. I think we can get into the uh, okay. to the nitty gritty, all the, all the news and headlines now, Dom. Um, kicking off, you know, with the loons, as we always do. And things are really getting interesting as we head down to the wire because uh, the loons kicked off this last week. Well, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, you know, how different companies have different like fiscal year cycles that start at different <laughs> times. Our yeah. week at Soda Soccer and at ten thousand pitches usually starts like midweek because we record on Thursdays. So it's yeah. like Thursday is usually like the kickoff to our week. Um, yeah. but uh, the Loons drop one nil on the road to Portland Timbers on Saturday, um, continuing their three game losing streak. Of course, without Reynoso and Fragapani in that one, uh, Daron Espria uh, scores at the hour mark off of a corner kick to notch the win. But in this one, Dom, the Loons had more than 20 shots, only three on target. And that was really the the story. I mean, you had um, specifically Mender Garcia getting a handful of shots. Um, you had just a number of, a number of opportunities to push those goals in. They really did everything, but put the ball in the back of the net in this match. Yeah. I mean, there were certainly a, a lot of players that were doing really well in build up. Uh, showing a lot of quality, moving the ball up the field, finding, like you said, finding Garcia, who who looked really dangerous, had some really good movement and speed, which is something we'd heard about and not not quite seen yet at that lethal level. And, and we almost just saw that many times in this game. Um, and so there were, there, there were certainly some some positive signs to take away. The statistics overall are are, are pretty complimentary. But again, it's a game where Loons just can't quite figure out how to score. You know, probably part of that comes down to the fact that so many of the key chances fell at the feet of a, of a Mender Garcia, who's new, who's still finding his feet with this team, still getting used to MLS. Uh, you know, if he's a little more settled, that game might end differently if it happens to just be two weeks later in the calendar or whatever. Um, but that that's how it goes. Uh, and, you know, un- unfortunately, on the defensive side, it's, it's sort of a, another game where you see... Um, some good moments maybe from, from the back line overall, but at the end of the day, they, they, they sort of failed to mark a key target. And, and there's, there's, you know, just one goal in this game, but it counts as much as any other. Uh, and, and, you know, balloons lose. So uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it certainly was not the frustration level of some of the other recent losses, the, the three nails and that sort of thing. Um, and, and I do think that probably there was some positive notes in the game that foreshadowed, um, you know, a, a decent result that ended up getting, being gone against LAFC. 
Uh, at the same time, you know, it, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people really frustrated with seeing Minnesota United create as much as they did and, and yet still not find those goals that were missing on the past couple of games. Um, you know, it, it's easier to, to kind of swallow that pill when there aren't a lot of chances being created and you're defending a lot and that sort of thing. When you're essentially controlling a game and it's just not going in, that it's harder to quite know what to fix with that. So, uh, it, you know, it's a frustrating one. It's a, it's a big win for Portland. It's a result that really upends some details of Minnesota United's playoff campaign. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's another game where just it, it feels like the offense isn't quite finding its feet and the defense is is not necessarily paying attention for the full 90 to some of the key pieces they need to be tracking. Yeah, and this was also, I, I'm not sure if you mentioned this down, but this was also in a new formation as well. Mm, yeah. um, so that may have had a little bit to do with maybe the lack of the final touch, but I was I was encouraged after this match um, for the most part with what I saw in the attack and specifically also what I saw in the defender from this formation as well. I thought they defended with only having a three back. And yes, you do have the wing backs, but the way Minnesota United's guess operates you're going in a three back those wing backs are going to primarily try to play a back and support the attack right right um so going with a three back and especially having a piece like Coleman in there not a new piece but a recently reinserted piece in Coleman in there um I thought they defended really well I thought the the build up and the attack was really good I was encouraged what I saw from Mender Garcia if he can just find that final touch he could be a huge contributor on the score sheet for this team moving forward um but you you gotta finish and that has been this sort of boogeyman under the bed for Minnesota the thing when you look at the last couple years the thing that's primarily halted more success for this team has not been generating chances. It's been putting chances away. Yeah. And so while the last two months, largely this Minnesota team has gotten back to putting those chances away, you see in this run, it's it's been the last two matches, Dom. It's not just Portland. It was Dallas as well. No, you in, in Dallas, you have a you have an XG of almost 1.5. In this one, mm-hmm. no goals, Dom. You have an XG of 2.42. And you do not put those chances away. That, in a nutshell, shows you what what the issue was. And it's been a reoccurring issue with this attack pretty much the last three years. Or maybe if you want to look back the entirety of Minnesota United's MLS tenure. But I'm more looking at the competitive era of Minnesota United and MLS, Mm. strictly. Um, Sure. And 2019, maybe even early 2020, you could chalk that up to maybe they just don't have the, the guys in the attack. They don't have the quality in the attack to put that away. You don't have that excuse with this team. Maybe it's a blip. Maybe it's a fluke. But I think the concern that's being shown among the supporters right now of are we back to being this team that creates chances but can't put them away, I think that's very valid um, considering the the context of the last few years. But what's encouraging to me, Dom, I, I always say this, this Minnesota United team defends from the front and leads from the back. Um, I thought largely, and we'll get to the uh, LAFC match too, I thought largely over this last week, they've done so well. Even in the Dallas match, aside from the quote-unquote five minutes of madness, I thought they defended pretty well in that match as well. So that is encouraging to me. Um, but y- you gotta, you got you to gotta take your chances. I mean, it sounds really, really like soccer 101, <laughs> but you got to put away the chances you get if you're going to you know, make that run that you want to make come playoff time. And if if they don't, they're not going to win. If they do, they're probably going to move pretty far in the playoffs. So we'll see if they can turn that around moving forward. It it just gets back to, you know, we talked about this last um, episode, as far as I recall. And and it's it's a kind of topic that has floated around discussions about different teams for for forever. But it's, it's just that that difference between being the better team. Uh, on the eye and the better team on on the score sheet, you know, and, and that's not always, it doesn't always just equal out to if you played better, you win. Um, you know, as, as we'll get to in the next game, arguably that improved, but uh, th- this run of games that, that really United needed some results, the Dallas game, the RSL game, the Portland game. Um, we've just 
seen a lot of, and arguably RSL, this, that game does not quite account for this, but the Dallas and the Portland game, good performances that result in zero points, zero goals. Um, and, and yeah, so it, it just comes back to, as you said, this is a conversation that's kind of permeated around Minnesota United for years. Just comes down back to how does this team become productive in the final third again? Why isn't it currently productive in the final third? Um, you know, the formation change in the Portland game certainly made the team look a little better in some instances. Um, but again, no goals. So, yeah, it, it's just an interesting situation. Uh, the good news, of course, is that the drought was was technically ended uh, in the game we're going to talk about next yeah. by, uh, by a certain center back. So, Yeah, we'll move on to LAFC. One final note on the Portland match, though. I think if you get to the end of the season and the Loons do finish outside that home playoff line, maybe they finish fifth or sixth or even seventh, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how this final few weeks goes here. This is going to be one of the match where matches you look at, especially being one of the most recent. That man, we should have gotten, we should have gotten three, let alone not coming out with any, right? right. So, right. Um, just one of those to to look at, one of those results to look at as being pretty vital to the playoff picture for Minnesota. Um, but they do come back with a pretty good performance, one-one draw at home to first place LAFC. They break their losing streak. They also end their three hundred and twenty-plus minute goalless streak. And the 45th minute, and who is it to end the goalless streak? Is it Reynoso? Is it Coleman? Is it Garcia? Is it, you know, no, it's it's none of them. It's none of the above, Dom. <laughs> it's Brent Coleman heading in <laughs> the 45th minute corner kick from Reynoso to give the Loons a 1-0 lead at the break. The yeah. Woodbury kid coming up clutch in stoppage time. Who would have known? Yeah, there, there's something very poetic about it, and I, you know, I, I have to say, when I saw, you know, his his celebration of more or less kind of the "Are you not entertained?" kind of shrug to the crowd, of I, I can appreciate that, you know, he, from his position, I don't know how much or how much or little attention he pays to this kind of stuff, but from his perspective, it's probably like, you know, been getting a lot of lot of uh, slack from from people. As I've returned to the team, a lot of people think I'm why things aren't going well. A lot of people are not happy about my performances. And I, I'm <laughs> somehow the only one on this team that can score a goal. And by the way, I did it against the second best team in MLS statistically. Um, so, yeah, there's something very sort of funny and poetic about that. But it's it's a goal that Minnesota United needed so badly. Yeah. Um, it, it comes from a set piece, you know, header, uh, a very good one, by the way. Uh, that isn't exactly, you know, the kind of chances that we were expecting it to come from. Obviously, you know, we talked in that Portland game, you had all these sort of counterattack, fast-paced um, moves from Garcia, those sorts of things. Um, but, hey, I mean, you, you score how you score. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting that Coleman's the one that gets it, but it, it proves to be a, a huge one. It proves to be a point-getter against a, a very strong LAFC side that, you know, to be frank, I don't think necessarily performed particularly well in this game, but they're still incredibly talented and have so much quality on and off the, off the bench. So uh, yeah, it's a great moment for him. It's an important moment for the team. Uh, You know, the, the the one problem with this game, really, I thought Minnesota United played well. I thought that they got a good point. We can talk a little bit about the Carlos Vela goal, but um, I, I thought overall solid game, solid match, plenty of positives. And the only real problem is that the matches before it, don't provide the right context for this to be a great moment. So mm, if you get a couple correct. of points against Portland RSL, this draw is the cherry on top of the cake. Mm-hmm. But because you dropped nine points straight in those other three games, and you only really get a point out of the game that arguably matters the least because you're not competing with LAFC for a spot on the table, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's a weird, <laughs> it's a little bit of a weird roller coaster in terms of how to feel about this game, how to feel about the past three games. So, with that in mind, in terms of this one match, yeah, I thought the team played well. I, I thought, you know, a little unlucky, frankly, not to win. Uh, you had Amaria with the post hit, you know, those sorts of things. They played well. They at least got that goal in the point. Uh, and it's, at the very least, a good note for this sort of poor run to end on for, for Minnesota United. I'm trying to find a tweet. I'm scrolling through. Okay, here it is. Michelle Giannone. He uh, covers MLS for uh, mm. TU Dine USA. 
You can tell he doesn't watch a lot of Minnesota United, but he'll watch some of the bigger matches because he tweets after this one, quote, really think that him and UFC could be the second best in the West entering the playoffs. Now that I think was the, like the, the espresso <laughs> shot of optimism that Loon's fans yeah. needed after that, after that kind of sour draw, because I mean, in a nutshell, in a vacuum, a one, one draw at home against LAFC sort of furthers the argument that this team can compete with anybody. And in a one game playoff situation, you know, they can have an opportunity, especially if they find a way to do it at home, they can really have an opportunity to, to knock off one of those, one of those more solidified premier kind of Western conference teams. Right. Right. But to your point, Dom, when you look at the last three results before this three nil, three nil, one nil on the losing end, you, it sort of required three points in this one. You didn't get it. So while there's encouraging things to take from the performance, and Adrian Heath has said at last couple matches, um, you know, I'm focusing more on the performance than the scoreline, which is which is fair in some in some context, um, especially when you're trying to take positives out of out of these things. <laughs> um, but you're right. I mean, it, it really makes it kind of more of a continuation of this winless run than, hey. We drew LAFC at home. We we took their best shot. We looked good. We looked dangerous. Um, we 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 took it to them. You know, we can compete with anybody. Right. Because you came into this on a three match losing streak, that doesn't you don't necessarily have that feeling coming away from it. You have man, what's it going to take to get a win, right? Right. And uh, and, and so that's that's the difference. But Dom, I think I have cracked the case for how Minnesota United can score. Mm. Okay. So Brent Coleman is like, like the only tall player on this team. Uh, so what you yeah. do is you play a three back. Um, but Coleman acts as like a center wing back where he will run <laughs> from the left center back spot to yeah. the to the opposite box. And he will just be there for headers. Just That's feed him crosses, feed him crosses, feed him crosses. But he's got he's got to be in shape because he's gonna have to run. From back line to box, back line to box, back line to box, the entire match. It's almost I like, um, and then, oh, and then you know, Lawrence will fill in on the back line, you know, right. when he's when he's forward and things like that. I, I you know, maybe because that's the thing with this Minnesota United team, they don't have anybody who can head a damn cross in because they don't have anybody with any height. Right. So why not put your tallest guy? Or maybe he's just like maybe you play a three back and he's like this like free roaming player. Where you have like a, a nine man uh you know shape set up, but you just give Coleman all the all the freedom in the world to just do whatever he wants on the on the field. Maybe, maybe, just maybe that'll that would be the key to uh to generating more goals. Who knows? I like it. It reminds me it's different, but it, uh, different than what I'm about to say, but it reminds me of when Sheffield United got promoted to the Premier League last and they had that overlapping center back concept where the center bats would overlap instead of the fullbacks. And so mm-hmm. the center backs would actually drive the ball forward. Uh, it, it, hey, we uh, saw we saw Boxy break Gareth Bale's ankles, so maybe we do that. Maybe we should start <laughs> having the center backs overlap because you know, because because you know, Kamar Lawrence, DJ Taylor, Alan Benitez, neither of them, can, none of them can overlap worth a damn, right? I mean, they're terrible yeah. overlappers. So why not? I'm just kidding. They're great. They're great at what they do on the on the <laughs> on the uh, wing backs or the outside backs. But anyways, uh, in all seriousness. Um, Minnesota did get some help this week, um, yes. from other results. Uh, Wednesday was a big night to scoreboard watch for Minnesota United fans and everything went the loons way. You had RSL there sitting two points back in seventh. If they were to come away victors against Austin, they would have leapfrogged Minnesota United, but they did not. They fall three nil to Austin. So they stay in seventh loons stay in fifth. The biggest one to me, though, Dom, and I think me and Jacob Schneider sort of disagree on which result was bigger for Minnesota, but when you're looking back at the playoff line itself, LA Galaxy were sitting there in eight with two games in hand and five points back. And I believe it was David Naylor who tweeted this after Minnesota United's loss that said they the Loons no longer control their own destiny when it comes to making the playoffs because you have, you have a – you don't you, – you you played two more games in the Galaxy and they're five points back. So theoretically, six right. points out of those two games in hand would give Galaxy the edge in the table. 
But credit Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, 3-0 blasting of the Galaxy in Vancouver. Um, Crazy. Just kind of some quick MLS talk with this. All of a sudden, you see the Seattle Sounders kind of sitting there in ninth. (laughs) And they're four points back at the playoff line with three matches to go. Just kind of interesting potential there that of all this struggle that we talked about with Seattle all season long, if they can put some results together and other things go their way over these last few matches, the Sounders can actually find themselves back in the MLS Cup playoffs. And I think that's a team nobody wants to play. If 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 Seattle can find their way into the postseason, good luck LAFC or Austin or anybody having to take them on because that's – that's that's you know everybody I think is hoping and praying that Seattle doesn't do that if you're in the West. Yeah, no, it'd be the most Seattle thing ever to grab the seventh seed like last week of, of regular season and then like at least make it to the Western Conference final. Like, or just pull the off most... the double completely. Just yeah. somehow pull off the Champions League and MLS Cup double in a season <laughs> where you played terrible in the MLS MLS yeah. play all year long. Oh, that would be that would be the most Seattle thing ever for sure. Yeah. But uh, but no, I mean that that Galaxy loss, the the RSO loss is certainly important in the sense that it really helps Minnesota at least kind of fight for that fourth and fifth place section of the table. Um, fourth, obviously, being preferred there. Um, I, I would say though the the Galaxy the Galaxy loss is actually a huge result for like four different teams. It's a re- yeah. result for Minnesota, Portland, and Salt Lake, because what it means is there's much less of a chance of any of those teams dropping out of the playoffs because the galaxy like you said are in a great position to steal a spot off someone but they they've been dropping tons of points while you know there was that chicharito penalty miss that lost them a a, a win two weeks ago now this bizarre result against vancouver um yeah i mean they've kind of been doing a huge favor to everybody in the playoff zone basically um Mm. And so it, it, it does mean, you know, like you said, if they were getting some more points in these games, the conversation for the likes of Minnesota, Portland, and Salt Lake wouldn't just be, are you getting points? Are you getting fifth? Are you getting fourth? Are you getting sixth? It'd be, are you making the playoffs? But as long as the Galaxy and the Sounders are being inconsistent, uh, you know, all those teams kind of have a little room to breathe, which is obviously a huge help. Um, the, the On the flip side, I would say, that all the teams that are getting all the, all the tough, all the, how do I say this? All the teams who have had bad seasons, who are picking up points now, beating teams like the Galaxy and the Sounders, are teams that Minnesota United have to play. <laughs> yeah. So we play Vancouver the last week of the season. So that that's like the weird uh, flip side of this, is a lot of these teams that are like stepping up and kind of knocking out these points that are helping teams like us or Portland are actually the teams that we have to play now. So um, that's kind of the, the the flip side of it, but anyways, that yeah, that Galaxy result is is a huge help, I think, for for the playoff push for Minnesota United. And just looking at the table here, so Minnesota is currently fifth. Um, they have the wins advantage over Portland for that fifth spot, so they're level on points with Portland, but um, they uh, they have more wins, so they're currently in fifth, one point back of Nashville, who's in. So when you're talking about that base goal, that baseline. Um, you know, Barron for success for this regular season for Minnesota. Uh, home playoff game. They're only matches to go. And I don't know Nashville's schedule. I could look it up, but it's probably going to lag my uh, connection here. So I don't know if I really want to do that at this point. Um, but so, Adam, I don't know if you want to do that. But yeah, uh, I, I, gotta I have to it. imagine it's not, it's, I have to imagine it's not as, um, it's not as uh, advantageous as Minnesota's down the stretch. It is Am I right in that? Nashville have to play. They travel to Austin. They host Houston. And then Oof. they travel to LAFC. Yikes. So that's a really rough run. Now, what I would say, of course, is, you know, those names sound bad. Obviously, Houston have been very inconsistent. And LAFC, actually, in this last month, have been really inconsistent. So we'll see what those names actually look like when they get played. But to your point, in comparison to the run Minnesota have to make, this is not great. <laughs> this is this yeah. is not the kind of final three games you would want to have when you're tightly holding on to a, a home playoff um, game. So no, that that's rough. 
It is, but you got Hani Mutar. So, uh, yeah. you know, he can, he can make anything happen. Um, but it, it does look like, you know, you don't control your own destiny. But if you're looking at which of those two teams is in the driver's seat to get that four spot, I would probably give it to Minnesota right now because of that um, much easier strength of schedule down the stretch. Mm. Okay. But you got to score goals. Right. You have to score goals. And when you look at SKC, although they're 12th in the table, this is going to be far from a cakewalk. Not only is it because it's never a cakewalk for Minnesota against Kansas City, no matter where the teams are in the standings. But, well, Kansas City has really had a good run of form through the the latter part of this summer. Um, They haven't lost in their last five matches. Their last loss was August 16th. And in MLS play, they have only fallen to Austin and LAFC in their last nine since July 30th. So it's, it's, they've been highly, highly competitive over these last two matches. They got a couple guys in um, from the summer transfer window once some visa issues were, were taken care of. So they've been a much better form recently. And obviously Minnesota, you're coming in and, and if, if the pendulum is good or not good, it's more on the not good side for Minnesota in terms of their run of form recently. So um, it, it should be a win, I think. Anytime four, five is playing 12, no matter who's right. at home, it should be three points for Minnesota, especially if you want to compete for that four spot. But this is not going to be a walkover. This is not going to be an easy three points on the road. No. And and like you said, STC is never going to be an easy game. I mean, it's just the nature of that team, even when they have – really rough seasons they show up for certain games particularly at home obviously wanting to to you know entertain the crowd keep keep the fans happy and all that sort of thing i mean they're they're we saw when they traveled to minnesota united what a, a month ago uh we saw a team that was in a much worse spot than they are now form wise still manage a draw with minnesota united so it, it's just one of those things you know Peter Vermees is, is an incredibly talented coach. He knows how to work this team. He knows how to get results with them more often than not. And uh, even in a season like this one where, you know, they, they look pretty far from the playoffs and all that sort of thing, um, there's still going to be a problem for some teams, as many teams have had to learn these last couple of weeks, uh, D.C. most recently. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a test. It, it's a game, like you said, that Minnesota United should be aiming to win. You're so many places above them on the table. You're in the playoff picture. You should be expecting to get points in these kinds of games. But it is going to be more difficult than the table would make it seem. Uh, you know, Adrian Heath has had to coach against Peter Vermees a lot. These Minnesota United players, particularly the older players, or the players that have been here longer, rather, the uh, the Boxels, the Coleman's, the Dunlatis, they've had to play this team a lot. Coleman, because he was on the NASL team, has had to play Sporting Kansas City an unnatural amount of times in his lifetime. Um, And, you know, that is the nature of this. It's one of those weird rivalries because it's not really a rivalry off the pitch, to be honest. I don't think the fan bases really have much of an opinion of each other, but on the Mm -hmm. pitch, it is kind of a a real rivalry. I mean, it's not the nicest rivalry in sports. I hate that. Anytime I hear that, I just, I cringe. Because in the especially stands, the last maybe, couple of seasons, the there's pitch. been some real bad blood between these two teams spelled out on the pitch, Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. And so it, it's it's just one, you know, when people think of rivalries, they think of globally in soccer, they think of like fan bases. And that's just not really what this one is. I think it's just, that's just not the energy. What it is, though, is on the pitch. There's, like you said, a lot of energy, a lot of tension. And there just has been every year. Um you know, benefit added to by the fact that these teams have played a lot on in the Open Cup and that sort of thing. Um, obviously, in the same conference, so they play multiple times a year. And and so, yeah, it, it's just going to be an interesting game. It's one of those games that is always going to be worth watching, I think, even from a neutral perspective, because these teams have such a history together. Uh, one that Minnesota United started to be the benefactor of more recently, but but obviously SKC uh, plenty of times has, has dominated Minnesota United. So, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting match. It is a match that Minnesota United really need to go to prepare to win, though. They, we need points in this game. If you drop, particularly if you lose this game, it kind of reopens that Pandora's box that was sort of closed by the RSL loss and the Galaxy loss and getting the point against LAFC. If you lose this game and those other teams get some good results, 
it, it kind of starts the fire back up. Uh, so it, it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a game that's going to probably show us a lot about the attack uh, and, and, you know, how optimistic or not optimistic we should be going into the playoffs. And again, in a vacuum, a road draw against a rival, against an inform sure. SKC team wouldn't be bad. But you've put yourself in a position where you need to make up for points lost, right? Yep. That is the position you put yourself in, especially if you want to compete for fourth. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where they have to make up points somewhere. This is a big opportunity to do it. Saturday, 730, we'll have post loons following that one. Um, probably around 1015, 10 or 1015 Central Time. Uh, there on Soda Soccer's Twitter and YouTube channels. So if you want to go and hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel, that would be awesome. Just recently went over 100 subscribers. So we appreciate that. Uh, we want to make a push for like 200 or 250 or so. And we're not, we, I don't know what we're going to give away or what we're going to do. We'll, we'll do something special. If we hit 250 subscribers on our YouTube channel, we will do, th- do something special. I don't know if that's going to be bonus content, a bonus interview, a giveaway, a contest. I honestly have not decided yet. But I want to do something special for the people who are kind of going that extra mile for us um, and helping us out and supporting us and following us wherever we are. So 250 subscribers on our YouTube channel is the goal. We're at like 105 right now. So go to YouTube, search Soda Soccer, and uh, hit us with that subscribe. That would be awesome. That's where you can find every episode of Post Loons following every Minnesota United match. And those episodes are probably going to get all the more exciting as we head uh, further down the stretch here. All right, um, we got to take a quick time out here. My throat is like dying for water. So I'll be right yeah, back. No problem. All right. You can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us. And we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista. I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th Street MPLS. That's 9th and Street, both spelled out. N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T. MPLS on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T MPLS.com, to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. All right, moving on and talking doubloons. And then UFC two finishing off their season on a, on a high note, although the season's not over, but they're kind of starting that final stretch run of the season on a high note um, Four two doubling up of Portland Timbers two over the weekend goals from Tanya Lewis, Shea, Azil Jackson, Nabi Kimaguchi and Loic Masanvi opening is up, opening up his MLS next pro account. Um, he has been somebody we'll get to Jackson and we'll get to the result in and of itself. But I want to talk about Masanvi here for a sec for a second, because this is a mm-hmm. guy six months ago was coming in as a 17 year old in the Minneapolis through the Minneapolis city futures program and getting an opportunity to start for the crows in the U S open cup against Des Moines. Yeah. He goes on this amazing run through the summer with not only the Minneapolis city futures in the, in the UPSL, but obviously Minneapolis cities NPSL and USL two teams um, one of the best players, maybe maybe the best attacking player in the North Conference this season, aside from people not on Duluth FC. Um, <laughs> uh, just an awesome, awesome summer for him individually. Then he gets picked up by him in UFC 2, signs a developmental contract, um, but automatically just goes on to the, to the doubloons. And within three appearances, he's starting. And now he scores his first goal. That's four different leagues he has scored in this summer, Dom. It's crazy. Just wild. Absolutely wild. Just what what a what a year for him. 
uh, individually. I just, it's, it's hard for me to really wrap my head around. It's been, it's been awesome to watch. Yeah. And what, what's really cool about it is that, that what we're, what's coming to fruition here is, is built off of just such a impressive sort of work ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about a guy who, you know, is this summer, he was new to the high level amateur game. Right. I mean, he wasn't even an experienced NPSL UPSL player. And we've seen a guy just completely rocket himself through that ladder, through that process. We've seen a guy take on to his own shoulders the, the weights and the difficulty of this first year of this experiment the Minneapolis City are going through, where they're doing this multi, multi-league thing, this three-league setup. Uh, and we've seen him step up and be a huge piece in that, playing in multiple leagues. Obviously, a big help for the UPSL side uh, that ended up winning the conference uh, title was a huge injection of quality for the NPSL side when he got minutes there. Uh, arguably him and, and also like Mutu joining that side late in the season was a, a big reason, in my opinion, why the results suddenly got better. <laughs> um, also, Rodrigo, if you're listening, that's that's hashtag Mutu watch right there. Yes, shout so, out. Uh, um, so, I mean, huge credit. You're talking about a guy who's managed to show up at so many levels. U.S. Open Cup, obviously, against a very, very good Des Moines side. About as good of a side as you can get without playing a pro side. Um, and as we saw in the lead two regular season as well, time about a guy who showed up at the amateur levels, various levels playing like, I mean, midweek to weekend. I mean, just playing so many games, he played so many yeah. games. Uh, and then after all of that, <laughs> this should be his break. This should be his break time to relax a little bit. And instead he's getting minutes and scoring goals in MLS Nets pro. Um, mm. It's 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 just it's pretty incredible to be honest. It's pretty incredible, uh, and the fact that he's still so young it, it leaves you wondering what the hell does this guy look like when he's twenty four? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, I mean, you know who, what? I know a team in another league who could use some goal scoring injection yeah. right now. Why do why not try to make it five leagues in one year? Yeah, does he want to add MLS to the list? Um, <laughs> heck, he could go forward Madison. I'm sure they wouldn't mind it either. Uh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. And it, it, it leaves just, you know, I think everyone really excited to see what the future of his career is, you know, in terms of if he does end up, you know, going into something collegiately as well. I know that's been up in the air. and That's been something talked about a, a bit. And obviously, pro career down the road, hopefully. I mean, just the whole thing, the whole spread for him is so exciting um, and, and really incredible to, and by the way, get a great goal, a great finish. He only played a small portion of the game. So, I mean, really using his time well as well. Um, yeah, just just what what a cool moment for him and what a crazy year for him. Um, seems like a great guy. The, the brief interactions I've had and from, I've heard from other people. And, um, yeah, just, just very cool to see a person such as himself, you know, not only benefit from, from sort of the, the, the network of the game that exists here with, something like the Futures Program and then the NPSL, UPSL, and then MLSNS Pro and all that, but also really take it into his own hands to make a room for himself in those those spaces. So, yeah, just uh, many congratulations to him on really just a wild whole year and, and of course, on this goal. To that point, Dom, I don't know if, if you can loan a developmental contract to another, <laughs> you can loan a developmental player to another team for a stretch run of the season. I know quite a few USL League One teams who are going to go down the stretch run in the playoffs and and use a, a goal scorer. Union Nelson, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just in, in all seriousness, though, what and what an incredible year! Only seventeen, too. Actually, he might have turned eighteen over the course Maybe. of this year. I'm not quite sure. Probably. But in any case, very young and doing good things. Um, of course, we mentioned Az Jackson gets his tenth goal of the season. Will far and away be the best chance creator. Uh, the number one chance creator in MLS Next Pro this season. Obviously, it looks like the the first team is in his future next season. Um, good to see Tanya Luashey getting on the board too. This is a player I'm interested to see what happens with next season because he was you know first round super draft pick. Um, a lot of the MLS Next, or excuse me, a lot of the MLS experts, national experts, were calling this a, a big steal in the draft and somebody who could really contribute to Minnesota United right away. Obviously, that didn't happen this season. So I'm, 
I'm, I'm interested to see what year two holds. If he stays in him in UFC two, because he hasn't exactly, you know, beat the doors down and, and done, you know, been on easy Jackson type level, but I thought he's been pretty good. I don't, I'm not sure you could ask for much more from a rookie in his first season um, sure. in, a, in a league like next pro. So interested to see what happens with him. Um, good to see Nabi Kibanguchi getting on the board um, and obviously Masanvi as well. So a lot, just, just continuing the positives to take from this MNUFC two team and, and program so early on in their tenure. Very interested to see what that roster looks like both on the first and second teams there moving forward in 2023. All right, college soccer talk time as we start with the Gophers. Two wins at home at Elizabeth Law Rowdy Stadium for Aaron Chastain's side. They beat Omaha 2-0 in a match where they outshot the opponents 23-1. to And uh, then they blank Marquette 3-0. Yeah. Five goals in these two matches, Dom. Two goal <laughs> scores for, for the maroon and yellow. Maroon and gold, if you will. Um, Sophia Bowman with two goals and Gabby Cicerone. Uh, excuse me, three goals from Sophia Bowman and two from Gabby Cicerone and the wins. It's the Gophers' first four-game win streak since 2018. With Big Ten play starting just this weekend, you can't exactly finish off the non-conference on a better note than this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know. I think we we sort of were on that note last week when we talked about the uh, the win over uh, North Dakota. We were talking about you know you got to peak at the best time possible. You got to find your form at the best time possible. And and obviously had some rougher results at the beginning of this sort of non conference run. But that's going to happen. What really matters is finding your feet by the time that it's going to really matter in this this Big Ten stretch coming up. So uh, they're absolutely doing that. <laughs> they're they're doing it about as well as anyone could. Uh, with some some big clean sheet results and and some great goals, so I mean it's it's an exciting run of form for them to be on headed into that Nebraska game. Um, I, I think that this is a side that people should be as excited for as ever. I mean, it's clearly a lot of quality showing it now in in several wins in a row. Um, yeah, just really really great to see that this this program clearly on the track it's been for a while, clearly maintaining that that expectation. Uh, that energy, and uh, I, I'm sure that 2022 is is going to be a very exciting year uh, in conference play for for the Gophers. Yeah, and a, and a very competitive Big Ten. Um, they've they've shown over these last you know four matches during this during this unbeaten run that they have found some goal scoring firepower. Mm-hmm. Now, if they can translate goals against the likes of Omaha and Marquette, no disrespect to those programs. If they can translate those to the Nebraskas, the Wisconsins, the Ohio States, the you know the the powers of the Big Ten, if you will, the Penn States, um, that's the question. But as far as confidence in attack, confidence and ability to score goals, um, I think they're they're on a high right now in that regard, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, Friday Friday against Nebraska in that Big Ten opener. To St. Thomas now, where the women battle in a tight 2-1 to loss to Marquette. A uh, goal from Cameron Rintoul uh, in that loss. One more non-conference game for the Tommies. They're at Wyoming on the 17th, and then they kick off Summit League play, hosting UMKC on the 23rd. Where on the men's side, a 1-0 loss to Stonehill, and they are a home opener on the 10th. You can find a write-up from that from our uh, from our own Carter Hoffer at SodaSoccer.com. Um, three more non-conference games, though, for the Tommy men. They're away at Chicago State and Western Michigan on the 16th and 18th. So two matches this weekend, Friday and Sunday. Um, then at home against Green Bay next week to wrap up non-conference play. And then in D2, St. Cloud, tough start to GLIAC play. 5-2 loss to UW Parkside and a 3-0 loss to Northern Michigan. Um, it's uh, Vakoda Mastelovich and Chief Williams getting on the board in that, uh, in that loss to Parkside. Um, but they have a chance to correct course against Saginaw Valley State on Sunday um, to uh, you know, hopefully get that first GLIAC win and get that conference monkey off the back. Um, and then in the NSIC, Bemidji State start things off well with a slim 1-0 win over Northern State, or excuse me, multiple 1-0 wins over Northern State and Moorhead. Uh, Minnesota State Mankato get 10 goals on the week, 6-0 over Wayne State, 4-2 over Augustana. Winona continue positive signs on their non-conference run with a 1-0 win over Sioux Falls and a 1-1 draw with Southwest Minnesota State to start the conference season. Uh, UMD also get a draw and a win to start the year as well. And it looks like Crookston and St. Cloud State are struggling with two losses uh, each to start the NSIC season. Um, I think a couple of the big notes to look at with the NSIC, 
um, two teams I'm looking at, Bemidji State and uh, Minnesota State Mankato. Uh, Bemidji sort of stumbled a bit in the non-conference, um, but traditionally over the last couple of years have been that team to beat in the NSIC. But you look at Minnesota State, they follow up a win over the number one team in the country with 10 goals in two matches. Uh, so it's, you know, depending on who you talk to and depending on which lens you look at, it could be Mid- Bemidji, it could be Minnesota State. But, right. I mean, very interesting to look at when those two teams actually get together too. If they keep winning leading to that clash, that's going to be a pretty premier, uh, premier matchup and a premier race to look at in the world of Minnesota soccer. Yeah, definitely going to be as entertaining of a, of a duel as I think most people uh, anticipated ahead of the season starting. Um, yeah, both had sort of their own pathways in terms of the non-conference start of the year, but the, as soon as NSIC play started, they're, they're both off and running albeit uh, Mankato in a, in a slightly more sort of headline drawing way. Uh, and yeah, you know, Bemidji, obviously part of their non-conference run was, was their, their, their desire to take on big programs playing um, South Dakota state and, you know, got a loss in that one, but clearly a lot of quality uh, in that side. And, you know, to be seen whether or not uh, Mankato's uh, sort of goal heavy start will, will last and all that sort of thing. So, like you said, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting duel that we're going to see play out this this year as has happened other years uh, between those two schools. And uh, really looking forward to that and looking forward to some of the other teams that seem to be putting together some solid starts as well uh, that, you know, are, are not necessarily the typical thrivers in, in the conference. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an entertaining year in the NSIC. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. All right. Well, that'll do it for the headline portion of the uh, 10K stoppage time or 10K, 10,000 pitches podcast. Excuse me. Um, more Minnesota soccer topics to come on 10K stoppage time. So uh, that's over on patreon.com slash soda soccer. But as always, Dom, we're going to wrap things up here with top four. And we just kind of pick two news stories, two items that maybe don't fit in the regular podcast rundown, but that we want to mention. Um, and Dom, I'm going to let you go first here. All right. Well, I'm going to do. One quick thing, it was a, it was a, the way we organized this, we forgot that uh, one quick news thing is just that U, UW Superior announced oh, yeah. uh, their $5 million, or I think it's just short of $5 million new stadium on, on their campus that's going to be soccer and track and field specific uh, to open nice. it a year from now. I've been hearing about this on and off for a long time. Really cool that that's happening, and, and hopefully that, that goes well. Um, my my first top four thing is is going to be completely not about Minnesota United or Minnesota, but it's just a cool sort of um, cup set kind of story that, that happened that has been happening in Australia, uh, sort of all on the same tune as, as Sacramento Republic's run to the final here in the Open Cup. Uh, so in Australia, the domestic cup is called the FFA uh, Cup. I, I don't know if it has another sort of nickname there, but that's sort of the official name. And uh more or less, it's mostly competed in by the A-League teams, which is their their first division, and then the second division teams from, uh, I think it's called like the National Premier League or something like that. Um, and uh, and for those that don't know, Australia, like the United States, it does not have like promotion relegations. Uh, but, so the A-League is sort of the main professional hub of soccer there, and then, yeah, the leagues below it. Um, and this year, two second division teams made the semifinals. 
um, Oakley Cannons and Sydney United 58. Uh, and one of them won the, their semifinal. They, they both played A-League teams. So the final of the FFA Cup, which is on October 1st, will be Sydney United 58 versus, I think it was MacArthur FC, which is an A-League team. Uh, so just a, a cool sort of random example from somewhere else in the English-speaking world of, uh, of a, a lower division team, actually multiple lower division teams, but, but one lower division team making a cool run to the final of, of a domestic cup. So for my domestic cup nerds out there on October 1st, um, you, you should definitely keep track of. I actually think that game might be on ESPN+. Plus. I know some of the FFA Cup games were on ESPN+. Plus. You might even be able to watch it, although it will probably be at midnight. But uh, yeah, anyway. it's going to be very much overnight <laughs> <laughs> recorded and watch it later. Uh, but it's just a, a cool little story going on in a domestic cup elsewhere in the world. All right. My first thing, we're kind of sticking in uh, in the United Kingdom, United Kingdom owned areas. Um, the Premier League postponed this past weekend's matches. Actually, it wasn't just the Premier League. It was all of uh, all of soccer in the UK was yep. postponed following the death of Queen Elizabeth II as sort of a sign of uh, sign of respect, paying respects, uh, postponing this past weekend's matches. And obviously this had some, some mixed reviews and responses. Obviously us here in the U S um, we're kind of like, what, <laughs> wait, you're post, you're postponing all the matches. Really? Do you need to do that? And even some of the players and some of the, you know, the, the British, the UK football pundits, uh, if you will, we're kind of echoing those sentiments saying, Hey, you know, yes, this is a, this is a big deal, a big happening. Um, obviously teams and in, in leagues should be able to pay their respects, but postponing matches may be a bit of a, an over overstep, a bit of a, a bit too much. Um, I don't know. I think people, the, the thing for me, Dom is this season is already weird with the world cup especially when you're talking about the premier league and the 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 leagues that are in this cycle of the season where they play you know september or august through may or whatever that is mm-hmm. like the world cup's happening right smack dab in the middle of your season and so you're having to kind of condense games and move things around already now you're now you're postponing a whole weekend of matches and then even this coming weekend as we're looking at this uh manchester united and leeds and chelsea and liverpool are postponed this weekend as well right. Um, so it's just like, I, I get it. And I, again, I'm not there, so I don't, I don't maybe fully understand the gravity of it. And, you know, Adrian Heath was asked, asked about it during uh, media availability this week for the loons. And he was sort of choking up a little bit as he was talking about it. So yes, it is, a, I'm sure a massive, massive deal. Um, but I think just for my Yankee opinion on this, uh, from my Yankee vantage point through the through the USA America lens, um, I don't know, seems to add to the inconvenience of the schedule to postpone games when there maybe might have been other ways to pay respects. But again, I'm not I'm not there. I'm not in it. So maybe I don't fully understand. But just sure. kind of a interesting, interesting occurrence. We were talking last week how maybe you'll see black armbands, maybe you'll see moments of silence, paying respects. I did not think matches would be postponed. Though. Well, and you know, I think two things. One, I, I, I definitely... I definitely, uh, uh, well, sympathize isn't really the right word. I, I, your, the, your point you're making, I, I'm definitely with it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, to be perfectly honest, I'm not a huge fan of monarchies, right? They, uh, and, you know, all that. But the one thing, that aside, I mean, look, if, if that's the decision that's made for that week, that, that's the decision. But uh, the, the one thing that's interesting that is causing some matches. I think it might even have, to, it might even be the reason that the Chelsea Liverpool game the week after is being postponed. I'm not sure. I know that it's affected multiple um, London-based games this week, like Arsenal PSV. I think in the Europa League is being delayed because one problem that is happening that is definitely a very legitimate problem connected to all this for the London-based teams is that there aren't, I, I saw uh, somewhere on Sky or something, I saw some sort of news thing talking about this, is that a lot of the London-based teams, even the week after the morning weekend, they're having a hard time finding enough police for their games. Yeah. Because the police are so busy with all these other things that they're doing for the Queen, these parades and the marches and moving the cats, all that stuff. And takes a lot of the new king, all that. Yeah. Right. 
And so those, you know, obviously you need security at these sorts of huge sporting events. Um, and then, you know, even more Europa League, you have international fans coming in. So you have that angle of all of it. Um, so that side of it is very understandable that logistically that must be a nightmare right now to kind of move those pieces around. But yeah, you know, it, it, I guess it's the other aspect of all this, of course, is that this is something that they haven't had to think about what to do for yeah. for so long that I think they probably just didn't have a practical plan worked out really. But um, anyway, yeah, you know, that that's the reality of it. Unfortunately, well, I think some teams are, you know, I think a team like Liverpool, for example, are probably benefiting from having to play less games right now because they're in horrible form. But yep. um, so I'm in some teams in, in a way that probably benefiting from this, but it'll be interesting to see, like you said, one thing that will be really interesting to see from a global perspective perspective is how this affects players form when the world cup comes how it affects you know even how people are being called up if they're getting less games and that sort of thing that's sort of a whole other angle of it but yeah it'll be interesting to see how that how that continues to play out on a, on a brighter sporting note my second top four is just going to be a, a, a shout out to the minnesota vikings for starting i can't do a galler horn that's uh, the <laughs> that was pretty good that was really good thank you uh, for starting the year off on about as good of a note as you can with the 23-7 win over uh, over the Packers at home. Really strong win, really confident win. Packers, with all due respect, barely in the game really the whole time. Uh, Vikings, well, I think it was 17-0 at halftime. Uh, just, you know, scoreline overall is relatively low for the potential uh, in a football game, but, but just a really dominant win, a really good start from, uh, from uh, Kevin O'Connell, new head coach. And a lot of the new pieces showed up and uh, yeah, it's like a promising year. Obviously one game, always the, the curse of the Vikings get too excited over small wins or small victories, but uh, definitely a really positive start to the season. And, one would hope that if they can get a decent result against Philadelphia and maybe get a win over Detroit, I think that's the third game this season um, that they can kind of build some momentum and, and have a good 2022-2023 season. Personally, I don't have a I don't have a dog in this fight. Uh, I'm not neither a Vikings nor a Packers fan nor Bears or anybody else in the NFC North, so I don't have any particular feelings about the Vikings or the Packers. Um, you know, they do say "Happy wife, happy life," though, and my wife is a diehard <laughs> Vikings fan, so I will pull for the Vikings in that regard. Um, but with all that being said, um, give me all of the mad, sad, disappointed Aaron <laughs> Rodgers clips. Give me all of those. Just feed them, inject them straight into my veins. I there, there is a lot of funny social media content coming out of. There is the one yep. where I'm blinking on who the Vikings player is, but uh, Rodgers gets tackled and he gets up, and there, there, there's going to be a fight, but then he kind of stumbles, and by the time he's actually up in the guy's face, they're kind of both laughing because it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't play out the way we thought it would. Um, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, I—I I mean, I—I'm—I'm I'm from Wisconsin. I'm a Wisconsinite, but I'm from Western Wisconsin. Anyone from Western Wisconsin knows that about half of Western Wisconsin are Minnesota sports fans. So I—I'm—I'm I'm Vikings always, uh, and I always have been. All my family are. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, there's lots to yell school about this year. Usually, this is where we uh, where I get on my toffee box and uh, talk about Everton, but everybody's hurt. That's the extent of the toffee, <laughs> toffee box. Uh, there are about nine guys on the injury report. Jordan Pickford is out until October. So that's fun too. Um, so I'm actually going to go back and yes, this is kind of negative, but it's also funny negative. Uh, the U S men's national and women's national teams officially released their world cup kits today. It is the ones that we saw uh, leaked on social media a couple months back. It looks like a really bad Umbro t-shirt from like 1999 uh, not sure time. who's doing the designs at Nike here, but not not good. And it's not just it's not just the U.S. either. Like a lot of the Nike or a few of the Nike teams um, that um, are partnered with national teams have just kind of similar designs mm-hmm. on theirs. So it's not just the U.S. team that's affected. But come on, man! In the world of like really elaborate, extravagant, cool kit designs, this is what you're putting out for the national team for both the men and women. Moving yeah. forward for the men's World Cup this year and the women's next year, yikes! Big it's, yikes! It's a rough one. It's not. It's it's a bit of a stinker, I have to say. Um, yeah, I don't know what what happened that you know. Okay, so you you have United States, you have you have all these different. You know, the, the United States has 
every kind of environment and it's this vast diverse place and you know got all the different colors why why is the united states default for sports now just like a blue graphic design mess with like the usmt logo on top of it like for years it feels like that's just like what the u.s looks like and, and yeah. i just i'm not i'm not vibing with it they kind of they tried to kind of return to the logo in the middle of the shirt thing that um what was it? i think puma kind of did that this last year with some teams where they did like the name across the chest and like the logo above um for some away kits or something i think it was um yeah they, they tried to be different with it but it, I, I don't think that it looks terrible. Anything positive? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look good. I took a I took a screenshot of Christian Pulisic, Dom. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, <laughs> look like how sad he is to be wearing that shirt. He just looks Almost so as sad as he looks in a Chelsea shirt. So... Uh... <laughs> but no, just it's not good. Impressed. I saw like a month ago when that got leaked. I and I'm by the way, I do not know if this is real. Just all all, all clarity's sake. But I saw there was a there was a post going around a screenshot of a comment that Timothy Weah had made about where he was like talking about how he and the guys or whatever he said referring to potentially other players thought it was trash. I don't know and, how you don't. I don't know how you objectively look at especially the white one, the blue one, whatever. Um, it's not great either, but the white one specifically. I don't know how you can look at that one and think anything different than this is garbage. It's just not good. It's just not good. It's too bad because I think this is going to be a really interesting World Cup for uh, men's World Cup for for the U.S. But yeah, they're not going to they're not going to look nearly as cool as they as they could while doing it. So we'll see. <laughs> just bring back the Waldo kits. The Waldo kits are my favorite. Yeah, person, but, you know, yeah, Okay, well, that'll do it for 10K this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh, subscribing and, and supporting what we're doing here, both with the 10,000 Pitches podcast and at sodasoccer.com. Um, if you want to support what we're doing and get some bonus content, you can head over to patreon.com slash sodasoccer. It's our newest episode of 10K Stoppage Time, and we're just kind of catching up with Minnesotans who are playing in the pros and moving and shaking both domestically and abroad in the world of soccer. So if you want to check that out, Get some more 10K in your life. Go to patreon.com slash soda soccer for that. And then Dom and I will catch you next week for another episode of 10,000 Pitches. Don't forget a new episode of Post Loons coming your way Saturday following Loons SKC live on the Soda Soccer YouTube channel. And if we get to 250 subscribers by the end of the season, we will do something special for you. I promise. I don't know what that is yet. Maybe next week I'll have an answer. But 250 is the goal. So help us get there and check out Post Loons on Saturday. New episode of 10K next Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody.